Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. The Race for the Ring, episode 116, Sober and the City with Mitch Leff. Welcome to The Race for the Ring, the podcast about dating and embracing self-love and inner confidence. I'm your host, Mindy Barnett. I'm an entrepreneur, two-time author, keynote speaker, television contributor, and soon-to-be psychotherapist. Since re-entering the dating world after my divorce, I found dating life eye-opening. In an age of online swiping and in-person meetups, I found the world of love and lust has been a confusing place to be. So each week, we will chat with a different dating king or queen, socialite, or relationship expert and explore the many facets of dating today and come up with our clear plan on how to find the finest fish in the sea. Ready, set, go. Hello, Mitch Motivates. You know, I am a motivator. I never thought I would ever meet anybody quite as energetic as me until you came into my life. So how are you doing today? Takes one to know one, Mindy. I am having a fantastic day. Happy Friday. Yes, definitely. Thank God, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you have a very interesting story. Where shall we begin? 19 years old. What was Mitch um, like back then? Where you Tell us how you went down the um, common path, unfortunately or fortunately, of addiction and how you ended up there and all that good stuff. We'll get right into it. Um, first, yeah. I want to say I, I'm upset that this isn't on camera because my hair looks fantastic today. Oh, um, yeah. Really, it's the not. Jealous, the jealous Maybe I'll have to take a picture afterwards I'm recording and I'll post it. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so I started drinking and using drugs when I was in the middle of high school, and it was always different for me. I, I, I grew up in a really nice town in New Jersey, Short Hills, New Jersey. You know, we're famous for, like, a mall. Your mall. And, yeah, and, mall. And where Anne Hathaway went to high school, right? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, the paper mill okay. playhouse. You know, so it's, it's a nice neighborhood. It wasn't my family. It wasn't my friends. It was when I first picked up a drink, when I first picked up a drug, something was different in me than with the people I was doing it with. Right, I, let me stop you right there because I, I have lots of questions. So yeah. when, I mean, I went to high school, we all went to high school, right? At least we hope. I drank in high school beer, 
like I, you know, like, like nothing too crazy. How is it different for you? Can you explain to our listeners how it was a little different for you versus your friends in that way? Because I remember getting drunk and throwing up and like stuff like that when I was like 17. Yeah. I mean, I just really liked it. And I remember like immediately thinking to myself, this feels good. I should do this more often, but why would I do it with other people? Because the point of this, you know, drinking and then later weed and then cocaine, uh, cocaine led me to my downfall and led me to go to treatment. So I, mm-hmm. I remember saying, like, why am I drinking with other people? Like, you know, it's hard enough. I'm, you know, 16, 15, 16, hard enough mm-hmm. to get it, first of all. Yeah. But why am I sharing it when I get it? So that that was like my immediate thought. I, I, I can't explain it other than it was like just natural to want to drink alone want to okay. drink only to get drunk. I, I did not understand the point of social drinking. And eventually, you know, I got into smoking weed four, five, six times a day as my, you know, addiction progressed because my drug dealers didn't cart. You know, I had to steal or have other people get me alcohol, you know, but I got into drugs pretty quickly because the drug dealers didn't cart and it was easy to get drugs. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I remember having to get runners like on it for parties in high school. Yeah. Like we pay people. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So I started off drinking uh, right away, abnormally drinking, um, drinking in the morning, drinking by myself for the sole purpose of getting drunk. I, I did just like the feeling of being drunk. Exactly. And I understood drinking as a way to get drunk, not a social thing. I didn't. That just. I understand. It just didn't. I didn't find that interesting. Um, okay. So quickly, my drinking progressed to marijuana use four, five, six times a day, like I said, and that's when my behavior started changing. Um, you know, there's and a lifestyle. So? What, life what was it like? Yeah, yeah. There's a lifestyle to weeds when you're smoking weed. You know, your clothes smell, your eyes are red. You know, so you have to start. So I started missing classes because I couldn't just like smoke weed and then go to class. Everyone would know. Right. Mm -hmm. So my lifestyle started changing. And then I started making new friends who were smoking weed like I was smoking weed. So I started changing things then in my Mm -hmm. lifestyle. And one day, one of the people that I used to smoke weed with was like, you want to try cocaine? And again, I was Mm -hmm. like 17 years old Um, Mm -hmm. and I loved it. I tried it. I loved it. And I used it the same way I was using the weed, the same way I was using the alcohol. The point of this is to get high, to feel good. Why share this with anyone else? Um, and I started doing cocaine alone in high school, right? Um, it didn't matter what day it was. It didn't matter what else was going on. This when I found it. I was like, I had arrived. And this was what I wanted to do. Um, so here I am doing cocaine in high school and getting like really becoming like a troublemaker. I started missing class, missing family events, changing friends. I was like known as like, you know, they were like, what happened to Mitch? He used to be such a good kid. Um, It culminated on graduation night from high school. I went to graduation and I was going to a party to celebrate being graduated from high school. I was high all day and I I got pulled over leaving a 7-Eleven on the way to the party and I got arrested. So I spent that night, yeah, I spent that night handcuffed to a chair while every, in Springfield, New Jersey, while everyone was out celebrating high school. And I remember getting in trouble with the law, but because, you know, I come from a nice family, I, you you know, it it was like something like my parents, how like 
hired the family friend who was a lawyer. We got out of it. I got out of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I remember that July 4th, someone who I was, I, I got into Indiana University and I was going to go there for college after my, uh, after I graduated. And I remember mm-hmm. someone telling me to slow down. Someone was like, Mitch, I'm going to be with you in Indiana. I don't like where you're headed. Like, you should slow down when you get there. No, that that was like a Who week. said that to you? A friend? A uh, peer? A friend. Or? I remember it was okay. 4th of July, fireworks at the high school, and someone mm-hmm. who I was going to Indiana with from my high school. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, funny enough, I took that as, like, that was, again, like, I had arrived moment. That that was what I wanted. I wanted, like, the cool kids in school to be, like, Mitch is a badass. Like You wanted to be the bad boy on the block? Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How may, may I ask you this? How were your yeah. grades when you were coming to school high? And before you got into the marijuana and cocaine, did you go to school drunk? I mean, uh, yeah, I did. I, I remember doing lines of cocaine in the parking lot of my high school. Wow. So, again, like, that didn't matter to me. I needed to get high, you know? Right, 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 right. You weren't scared? Like, the first time you did cocaine, you weren't nervous, like, scared? I remember being – I never – I mean, me personally, I never did cocaine. I, I did smoke pot a little bit in college. I can't tell a lie and drank. Um, but I was petrified of drugs. Like I just was so scared of them that I would get addicted and whatever. Like, I guess you, you just enjoyed the feeling so much. I was never scared because of the progression. Um, I slowly started getting comfortable drinking a lot and then, you know, when you start getting drunk by yourself, then and you start smoking weed and you're high all the time, like doing coke didn't scare me. It was just the natural next step. That's you know, it's just a progression of of my addiction, um, just the natural progression. Um, so I, I where did I leave off when when I went to Indiana? Yeah, you were in Indiana. Indiana. Um, yeah. Did you ever do anything else other than cocaine, marijuana, and alcohol? I tried some hallucinogenics. I, I, like I what's that? Like shrooms? Yeah, shrooms, um, LSD. Um, never did anything. Never did anything else besides that. I, I was like, I found when I when I found what I liked, I liked what I liked, and I okay, that. got it. Okay. Um, you know, but you know, I learned in, and I'll get to it in treatment that that I have a I have a lot of yets, right? Like I've yet to do heroin. I've yet to smoke crack. But I'm telling you, the way that I was going, thank God I got sober because I was headed. Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah. Um, okay, so you were going to so, go to Indiana. Your friend told you to slow down. Okay. Yes. And, and you know, I, I was like, I had arrived. I'm a badass. Like, one of the coolest kids at school was like, oh, my God, Mitch is into drugs. And, and, and we got arrested. You were like Judd Nelson and, in the Breakfast Club? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, okay. So I'm at Indiana, and I just continued doing what I was doing, but this time I was alone. I didn't live at my parents' house. I was um, home, uh, alone, free. I, you know, but the money became an issue because I started not going to class. I started picking up exactly where I left off, and I would add a daily cocaine habit. I said, "Here I am, alone in Bloomington, Indiana." Mm-hmm. Um, Bumblefuck, Indiana. Yeah, I've been there. Seriously. Yeah, I lived in Champaign. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, no offense to the great state of Indiana, but it's, you get off at the Indianapolis airport and you drive like an hour and there's a car. There's like farmland for an hour and then there's a car. So 
there I kept on my daily cocaine habit, and I, I lied, cheated, stole, whatever it took to get more. And, and I, at that point, I, I, I was definitely a drug addict. I couldn't stop. I, I, I kept on saying, oh, this is my last time. Next time will be different. I was, you know, I, I joke, um, when you're ready to get sober and you say one of the following two things, you know that, you know, you know that you need to get sober. Um, well, the first thing is when you start researching, uh, going into the military. Why? Um, I remember because it's like a clean, uh, it's Oh, like, that's I, like I, a I, way that you forces you to get sober. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, well, when you say, when you say, but the next steps in my life are one of the two things I'm about to say. You know you're about to get sober. And the first one I remember researching, like going into the army or like the Marines, and I remember saying like, "Oh, this could be a fresh start. I'll just go away. I'll get paid, and I could, you know, I'll get in shape." And then the second thing is moving to Florida. <laughs> you know what? Why? I, I, I think we saw that during the pandemic. It's like everyone's natural thing is like, if I move to Florida, we'll fix whatever. That's like my mindset, I guess. <laughs> I remember Googling, I remember looking up Lynn University and other, like, I was like, I'm going to go to school in Boca. (laughs) Yeah, Lynn, I had a boyfriend that went there. (laughs) Ira Schneider. All right, go ahead. God (laughs) rest his soul. Shout out to Ira Schneider. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, Shout out to Ira and maybe rest in peace. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I couldn't stop. I'm researching Army and going into the like armed forces and, or moving to Boca. It was like either one. Big difference there. Um, yeah. And I, I really couldn't stop using drugs. And I was 19 years old, you know. Um, fast forward, my bottom happened. I came home to New Jersey April of my freshman year of college. Um, I just turned 19. Um, my cousin's bat mitzvah. So I'm home. I come home on a Thursday. You came home for the bat mitzvah? Up, Is that why? Okay. Yeah, and, yes. I end up running away from home. Why? You no, know, Why? Well, I just like couldn't stop using drugs, so the the bat mitzvah was interrupting with my drugs. Mm. It was like mm. that. Like I didn't go to class while I was in Indiana because the class interrupted. I understand. My drugs. Okay. I did. I wasn't dating anyone mm-hmm. because you know dating interrupted my drugs. Mm-hmm. It was, that was it. it was, that was the number one priority. You had a relationship with your drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. No, and I had like disgusting, sick routines. I'll give you a, a little. Yeah, preview. please. Yeah. I didn't eat. I didn't need a shower. Maybe I showered once a week. I, you know, I was doing coke, so you know it's a hunger depressant. So you know, I ate every couple of days. So I would do coke all night. Then around like four or five in the morning, I would get paranoid. So I would either move into like the corner of my room or the closet, literally in the closet, wow. doing cocaine because I was scared that someone was going to come. Um. I was like paranoid about going down the hall in the dorm room to the bathroom, so I would pee and I would urinate in water bottles in my. Oh dorm my room. god! Yeah. I was so disgusted. That was from the cocaine room. that made you that way. Yeah, yeah it makes you. Paranoid. Oh wow! Um, my my had my roommate had moved out at that yeah, time. Yeah, roommate's like so peace, dude. I'm disgusted. out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would smoke cigarettes in the room. I mean, I, it was just I was a degenerate. So like. I, I, they knew me at campus, around campus, as like I heard later on, as like the kid with the disgusting slippers, because I would wear these slippers all the time. Um, and that was my life. So I came home for the bombings, for the bombings, for interrupting my drug use. I ran away from home to sleep at my drug dealer's house and then go to some random hotel room. And the cops 
tracked me down to a motel room because I called some hotline that I found in the yellow pages in the motel room. I, I, and I, I called the, this hotline and said, I need help call my parents, tell them where I am. And next thing, yeah, next you thing. You did? I, did you know you were doing that? You knew it? I like mean, consciously you did that? I, I realized it, but in the, in the moment I did it. You know? Right. So, right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the thing. Um, and then, uh, the cops knocked on my hotel room. It was like four or five police officers. I had a friend that joked that it was like right out of an Adam Sandler movie that I went AWOL from the bar mitzvah to do coke in a hotel room. Um, and they took me to a hospital. My family came to the hospital, and when they came, I broke down. I started crying. I told them I had a problem, and I couldn't stop using drugs and alcohol. And a week later, I was in rehab. Um, they had... <clears throat> known a, a family therapist and we went to see him during that week and he advised us different treatment centers to go to. I ended up going to the Karen yeah. Foundation in uh, Warnersville, Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. Saved my life. Yeah, yeah I heard of that. And, and that started yeah. my journey in recovery. That's my story. Uh-huh. That's awesome. So let me ask you a couple quick questions and then we'll move on to present day. So um, I guess you did inpatient there, is that right? Yeah, you were Karen, or was it? What was your treatment? Yeah, wow. I, I was there for a month, and then my my, you know, you're you're a Philly girl. You're like this. So we have a house in Long Beach Island. My parents, and after uh-huh. a month of rehab, I was like to my parents, I'm gonna, I have my new plan. I'm gonna be sober. I'm gonna live in LBI, and I'm gonna go to Ocean County College to get back on my feet. And then. Uh-huh. They were uh-huh. like, yeah, yeah. And, the, and then they, they signed me up for extended care rehab, which was another 90 days. So, like, like my plan was out the window. They, you know, it was clear to me that, that yeah. I was abnormal as a 19-year-old ending up in rehab. So, I ended up after... It's common. It is. I, I have friends in high school that were in rehab yeah. in high school. I mean, it, um, and did your parents realize you had a drug and a, a, a injection problem at all? Like to that I mean, process, to that extent. or did you I mean, hide I, it well? I got arrested from graduation. Like they had, there was some trouble. Oh, that's right. There was some yeah, trouble, but like it wasn't until I ran away uh, that they realized yeah. they were in dire they, danger. Uh, basically, they a missing persons report. Uh, well, when I was mm-hmm. away, because I was supposed to be at the Buffett store. so mm-hmm. you know. So when you took the, when you initially started, it was just sort of like a fun escape. You weren't doing it to cope with anything or anything like that. It was just like typical teenager, you know, exploration. And then it just went away yeah, because of your, the way you yeah, reacted to I mean, it. Is that right? I, I would say that I have struggled with mental illness and, and I'm, I'm a recovering drug addict. I think it is a mental, mm-hmm. um, it's a, it's a, a mental issue. It's a mental illness. Mm-hmm. There's something that happens mm-hmm. differently in my brain that happens in your brain. Um, well, Mindy, you're not in recovery. You have you don't have a problem with drugs and alcohol, right? Yeah. So yeah. something happens differently in my brain as opposed to your brain when I pick up a drink or a drug or any substance that says, "Ooh, you know, I need more," and you don't have mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. I, you know. Whatever happened in my life leading up to the first time I, I had my own drink, you know, I I have addiction, so it, it, it's like it's something that affects me differently. I, I don't call it a face. 
No, absolutely not. So is this something, let's get into yeah. like present. So now you've been in recovery for a, a very long time. Yeah. It's amazing. So congratulations. Is it still every day a journey and a struggle for you um, and to stay in that space? Or is it something that, I mean, I know it's different for everybody, but just to kind yeah. of share a little bit about yeah. what I mean, that's course, like. That, that okay. brings us up to where we are today. I mean, every day is a struggle, but it does get easier, right? Um, as just like if you had some other thing, if you're struggling with cancer or diabetes mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever it is, you know, the, the longer you live with it and deal with it and recover from it, the easier it gets. And, and my recovery has morphed from the beginning to where I am now. Like, I would say, like, the phases were, like, the first couple of years, I, like, I had one foot in, one foot out, and I paid the price. I, I relapsed a couple times in my first two years in recovery. Then I moved to New York, and I became, like, hardcore AA 12-step. Like, I won't mm-hmm. do anything unless, like, I ask my sponsor. Like, I, I can't, like, forget part of my French. I can't shit the wrong way. I can't unless I ask someone in recovery first. Kind of thing, right? And I was very 12-step, like, and, and that really helped I would strongly suggest 12-step recovery for anyone that's new to sobriety. And then, like, I kind of started Mitch Motivates and kind of incorporated fitness and wellness uh, into my 12-step. And that kind of, like, morphed me into what I am today. Um, Okay. And, you know, today my life is great. I just celebrate. Let me talk a brief before you know we talk about my life today. Let, let me give you some stats. You know, I just celebrated 14 sure. years continuous sobriety. So amazing! Uh, August 25th. Um, so I've been sober continuously now for over 14 years. Um, That's I have fantastic. my dream job. Yeah. You know, I worked for a plastic surgeon, Dr. Ryan Einstein. I worked for Einstein Plastic Surgery. Um, he's my mentor, and he really has helped me out a lot in my career. Um, that's fantastic. And I was doing, before I started my job in plastic surgery, I worked in recovery. I worked for Silver Living for many years um, I, and a recovery company for many years. And then I started my own recovery company called Image Motivates. And I was doing consulting um, and coaching for people who have addiction, substance abuse, mental health. Um, <clears throat> so it helped, you know, just help them achieve their goals and live their life. Uh, it would help families live with their loved ones husband, wife, you name it. I would, I would help them. And I was doing my own recovery company and I kind of decided after, especially after helping people through the, to get through the pandemic sober, that took a toll on me. Yeah. And yeah. I, I transitioned yeah. into working for 19 plastic surgery full time. So plastic surgery is, a, is like is a cousin of, of mental illness and addiction. Uh, it can right? be. I mean, you can have body dysmorphia right. and other issues, unfortunately. But yeah, but, yeah. but no, at least you're in a, an environment yeah. where you're helping people yeah. feel good. Because if you like the way yeah. you look, you feel better and have more confidence on the and inside. Working, so working in recovery yeah. and being in recovery is a lot. So I, I'm great. You know, healthcare. I'm still working in healthcare. I have my dream job. I'm so grateful. Like I said, Doctor Nightstein's my mentor. You know, he pushes me to do stuff like this podcast. So I could share my message mm-hmm. and uh, to help people, mm-hmm. right? Like, like that's why I'm here. That's so awesome. working in recovery, like I did for like ten years, and being in recovery done a lot. So now I work in healthcare. I help people, but in a different way. Um, and yeah. I'm able to store more my personal recovery while not working in the field too. 
Um, so I do it like as a passion project. I bitch motivates. I talk about sobriety, mental health, um, aiding sober. I mean, you name it. Yeah, I wanted to, okay, so let's get into some of that. But before we do, I remember, remember before we hit record, I had had a question and I couldn't think of what it was. I just remembered it. So going back to some of what you were saying about like incorporating fitness and wellness and all of that into your 12 steps. And then you kind of like um, made that sort of like a recipe for success, if you will, that you helped share. And, and, you know, everybody's got their own journey, but you share that this worked for me and perhaps it could work for you. Do you find that like when you wake up in the morning, do you need to maintain a certain routine? I mean, we all have habits and routines. I know for myself, when I wake up most days, I try to meditate for 10 minutes. I like to exercise a little bit. I like to have a little bit of quietness, especially if I have my crazy kids with me to just have to myself before I go full force into the day. Some days don't work out that way, but the days that do are so much better for me. So I, I guess my question for you is, do you try to have that too, to kind of start you so that your days are starting off a little bit stronger, not just in general, but also in the motivational space, but also um, just to help with maybe potential triggers and things like that, that you might like essentially, um, you know, come across during your, your day that you're unaware so, of. Uh, you know, Morning routine is obviously important, and, you know, but I think my overall routine is the most important. But you're right, it starts in the morning. So what I love to do in the morning, right, I wake up, I pray, first of all. Um, then I have my dog, and I make coffee, and I walk the dog. I have the dog, Mazel. She's my little angel. Um, she's six years old. And, and then I'll either do some content, I'll read, or I'll work out. One of the three. I like to, I like to mix it up a bit. Life is, I can't do the same thing every day. I'm yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. But okay. like, it's very important to me that I, you know, I learned this early on that I, well, one key in my recovery and my success was a structured day. So I don't, I always like when I go somewhere at night knowing how to like, knowing an exit plan um, to make sure I get to bed at a decent hour. And then, you know, so the night and the morning starts the night before, right? Um, okay. That's the, uh, another rule in the morning. And, and I'm a big planner. I put everything in a calendar. I can do notes, something to do list, and I'm always structuring myself. And that started when I was in the sobriety. Then I, was, I, I went to community college to get back on my feet. I worked part-time as a waiter. Uh, that's how I got my customer service skills and to make some money. And I would go through my meetings. So I had like three or four things that I would make sure I'm doing every day. And I bring that into my life. Okay. Today. You know, reading and learning is a big part of my routine. I'm, I'm either, I'm, I always read a book in person and I also listen to an audio book. So I'm reading two books. Okay. Um, yeah, fitness is huge. I'm trying to I work out three to five times a week. Sometimes four. And you're doing a marathon, yeah. right, for recovery? Tell us Absolutely. a little bit about that. So I, I, I got in recovery. I got into running marathons and half marathons. So I used to smoke cigarettes. It's funny. And then one day my boss called me in his office, and he's like, we're going to run the marathon for charity. Are you in? This is 20 years ago. And I was like, I'm a smoker, but I wanted to quit. Like, let's go. And so <laughs> that same year, I ran my first New York City marathon. We had to raise like 3500 bucks at the time, and I quit smoking. Mm-hmm. So that started. I, I ran um, six marathons since then, and three half marathons. 
And yeah, so ever since I've been running races, um, so I'm running the New York City Marathon for my fourth fourth time, um, seventh, yeah, seventh this year? marathon in about exactly a month. Oh wow, that's awesome! Yeah, and, and, and very cool. It for the Release Recovery Foundation, they're in this amazing foundation, and they give scholarships for people to afford substance abuse treatment and mental health treatment. So every dollar I'm raising yeah. now for the marathon, we're doing the Soul Cycle event. Um, you can find out all the information on my Instagram page. Every dollar goes to them. It's amazing. That's awesome. When's the Soul Cycle? It's October 23rd. Uh, no. Okay, so it'll be after this comes out, but the Mar- New York Marathon isn't, so people can still contribute. Yeah. But go ahead, tell us. I'll put in the show notes how yeah, much I mean, money you raised. Go ahead. One thousand dollars, and we're still a couple weeks out. Wow! Yeah, it's just like I, I again, it has to do with the structure and the planning. I am motivated when you know I have something in the future to look forward to. I know that I may not be motivated yeah. to work out like all the time, but if I have, if I have to run a race in a month. You bet your ass I'm going to start training and running a couple times a week along those lines. You're a goal setter. I'm like that too. And in fact, like when I'm coming home from a vacation, I always plan the next vacation because it makes me excited and less sad. I don't know if that's a good analogy or not. (laughs) But I'm like the same way. The way that I live my life today is simple. I have huge goals and dreams. And I write them down. Mm -hmm. I have a whiteboard. I have them in my Mm -hmm. phone. They are so blue in the face what my goals and dreams are. And I make them ridiculously high. And then mm-hmm. I align everything I'm doing in my day, in my hour, to my goals. I have short-term, medium, and long-term goals. And everything I'm doing is aligned with those goals. And if I'm ever doing something and I, 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 and I question whether it aligns with my, you know, I ask myself, is this aligning with the goals that I have for myself? And if it's not, I don't do it. That's smart. It's like your core values. That's great. I mean, they're goals, but yeah, that's really good. All right, let's get in. So we don't have a lot of time, believe it or not. It was so much good conversation about all your history. It's so interesting. Um, Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about dating and um, being in recovery. Like, what's that like? Because I know for me, usually like a first date's like, oh, let's meet for a glass of wine or, you know, maybe a coffee, but usually a glass of wine kind of thing. Are you able to do that? Like, what's that like for you and how difficult is it? Um, I mean, I'm not suggesting you have the wine, but I'm just saying in general. It's a great question. And look, especially getting sober so young. Right, I got sober at nineteen. I'll, yeah. I'll tell you this: that I've a, yeah, you weren't yeah. even twenty-one yet. When yeah. you get sober young, you come up with creative ways to you know feel good. So I, I you know, mm-hmm. shopping, sex, women, you know, gambling, you name it. Like I've dabbled in it in an attempt to like not relapse. You know, drink like ten Red Bulls yeah. a night, like whatever it is. You know. It's just oh like, God! It's just okay. Like part of, part yeah. of being young, but trying to get sober. So it's like I'll do anything but drugs yeah. and alcohol. You know? So, right? I, okay. You know, I, okay. I, my dating, uh, you know, in recovery is has been a lot of trial and error. Uh, I'll just say that first. Mm-hmm. You know, when you first okay. get okay. sober, they say don't date for a year. Yeah, yeah, I read that. Why Why do they tell you that? Is that because you need the full four yeah. seasons to see I mean, what you can expect? It is a, maybe a useful strategy, uh, a suggestion. It's just a suggestion. It's not a law. Um, right. The idea right. is that you focus on yourself. 
you know, but okay. obviously it doesn't apply if you're in a relationship or if you're married and getting sober, that doesn't, you know, it doesn't apply. It's just like right. an idea that you want right. to focus all, you know, getting sober is, you know, and I, I don't, whether I like the rule or not, getting sober is hard enough. So to add another variable yeah. to that. Yeah, it's just an additional exactly. stressor. Exactly. So, yeah. So. Or potential yes. heartache and sadness yes. if you break up or anger. Yeah, if you fight. yeah that makes sense. Yeah, but, it know, does. But at the same time, you know, I'll tell you, I'm single now, and, and there's you never know when you're ready to be in a relationship. It just happens, right? There's no mm-hmm. like, you know, when you when when you know the the Earth goes 365 days around the sun exactly, then you're ready to date. It's no, like, yeah, you yeah. can't really. You can't control that. You sort of just have yeah. to like release we're, it to the universe. Yeah. What I like to say even better, instead of even talk, giving someone advice about dating, because I'm, all I have is my experience being sober to see this, is say the following: recovery is hard enough. Like, don't add any. If you can have the luxury of not adding anything else to your plate to focus on getting sober, which is hard enough, then please yeah. don't. Add anything else to your play. That's my experience. Yeah. I don't like to tell, I, you know, don't like to tell people what to do. I like to show people what to do. So, I mean, look, back to the question. I, I got sober when I'm 19. I was single. And I've dated in sobriety and I've had experiences. And it takes a while to get comfortable with yourself. To have, to find out what you like, what you have to offer someone else, what my interests are. Now I pretty much have a good idea of what I'm interested in and what I want. That takes a while. You know, and my the best rule of dating is to be yourself and be clear about who you are and be clear about what you want, right? And just be yourself and be honest. Mm-hmm. And that takes time. So I would say sober dating is not different than any other type of dating. And because people have all different types of shit, right? Everyone poops, right? So, like, I can say that I think, you know, dating and just I don't drink is this is similar to like I'm dating and I'm kosher, or I'm vegan. Yeah, I'm vegan that's true. I yeah. have diabetes, where like, uh, you know, eating is, you know, you have to, you know, my cousins are kosher. That's I, a good. That's a really good. I know point. that you yeah. have to. And then you, you only go to certain restaurants, you know, you only go to certain yeah. supermarkets. Yeah, restriction. It's just restrictions. Yeah. I once dated, yeah. very briefly, like one day, a vegan person, and I was like, not yeah. healthy because <laughs> everything you ordered, I was like, we wanted to share stuff. I'm like, I hate yeah. everything you just ordered. I'm like, eating anything. I, I, yeah, no, I get it. talk about this is to normalize it. And that's why I say, give those analogies. I'm normalizing it. I don't drink. Okay. So I date. There's plenty of people that I date that either that bulk. You date people that yes. do drink, though. I guess that's sort yes. of what I was asking. And you're you're yeah. comfortable in that environment, the yes. bars and stuff. You just can't select yeah. yourself I mean, or something. I want them not to make a big deal that I drink and to look at it as like okay, whatever. Right. And for them not to have a problem because like I I won't I I I, I don't I have no problem if you drink, but like a, a partier is not my thing. 
No, I as a sober man, yeah. I will go into any place. As long as I have a good intention to be there, I will go into any place. There's a lot of cool yeah. bars and, re- and and establishments in New York City where I live that like, <clears throat> or like a speakeasy or like a cool loungy type place. Like, and they have alcohol yeah. everywhere, but it's a cool, that's a perfect place to take a date. You know? So I normalize it and I know what I want mm-hmm. and I know what what I won't settle for. So I won't lie about it. And if someone has a problem that I'm sober, you're not for me. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And there's so, and not to interrupt you, Mitch, but there's so much trends on the sexy sober now. In fact, I have a very good friend. She, she has an autoimmune disease. And so she didn't have an addiction problem, but she gave up liquor just because of that, you know, for her health and then took it to a whole other level and opened up this like sober store, like kind of like a sober bar, if you will, which is super hot and trending. So, and, and I know like some of the influencers I follow, like some of them are sober and they do those, you know, cocktails that aren't liquor, but they make, Uh, Oh, I hear all the the sirens. (laughs) I miss New York. I know. Um, anyway, um, they, they have like, I guess CBD in them and and stuff. So you, do you, do do you take, do you drink those drinks? Like, is that, I mean, I I, I like, okay. I'm a date. My perfect first spot is a cool loungy type place that has mocktails. But, but let me tell you this. I, some, there's so many women, and same thing for women with men or whoever, that don't have a right. problem that I'm sober. Right. And it, I, it's as simple as if you have a, if there's any issue with me being me, we're not meant to be. It's exactly like my friend right. Danielle. Okay? She's a tough dater. She's a tough cookie. She will not date anyone under six feet. Okay? Uh, my friend Sydney's like that too. <laughs> She's really tall. I'm five yeah. two, so it doesn't matter to me. That's fine. Yeah. Danielle yeah. wants okay. that, but it's, I'm not. I'm like five seven. Uh, there's nothing I can mm-hmm. do ever to control the fact. I just am who I am. I can't control my height. Right. Um, it's like I can't control that. That you know, I'm I'm, a, I'm in recovery and I'm a drug. I just don't drink. It's like I'm just not six feet. So you know. No, I'm not dating Danielle. That's why she's my friend, right? So it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. I normalize it. I don't like make a big deal out of it. But I, I'm sober. Mm-hmm. I look for cool, fun spots all the time, and there's plenty in New York. And if anything, I'm a better dater because they know when they, you know, a girl is more attractive. They're like, I'm not gonna like put something in her drink or like purposely get her drunk or like yeah. drink and yeah. drive. There's so many like benefits of it, right? Oh, that's true. So yeah, I think I'm an even better yeah. person to date than someone who drinks. How do you like that? No, definitely. And honestly, my question wasn't even yeah. so much about that. I don't think many women, at least I don't think people would care about the fact that you don't drink. It's sort of like a plus personally. I was just thinking more along the lines of how do you go into, how do you handle the bar yeah. situation? But it sounds like you're fine yeah, with I mean, that. It, okay. It, it, All right. I, you know, I, I was taught that if you're, as long as sober man, again, I'll say a sober person can go anywhere as long as they have a reason for being there and they are in fit spiritual condition. So, I mean, I'll give you an example of what not to do. I, I went on birth break uh, during one of my relapses. I was not in fit spiritual condition. I wasn't really doing anything for my sobriety at the time. And I was in the wrong place. I went to like a party in a room on the trip when everyone was drinking. And someone offered me alcohol and I drank it. So I, I didn't have a reason to be there. 
I was just there because I was wanted to be curious. I kind of was like thinking like I'm across the world. If I drink, no one. That was one of my relapses. No one would know. Yeah, yeah. A a place that has alcohol, and I have a good reason to be there. I will be protected, and I will be fine. Um, So that's kind of my vibe. I I like to look at being sober as my superpower, as being sexy, that that I'm in control, and and I'm in touch with my emotions, and I'm self-aware. And I think that I'm more attractive, more attractive. As a sober person. I agree. I do. And you seem like you're much stronger than probably a lot of people because you've been through a lot of experience from, you know, your journey, you know. And so, yeah, that's awesome. Well, we are sadly out of time, but why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media and your website and all that good stuff. At Mitch Motivates. Thank you very much. Just find me at, at Mitch Motivates Instagram. TikTok, all my information's on there. It's a cool name. I came up with it in the shower. And Oh, I think I think a lot in the shower too. Oh. <laughs> I, 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 I do it. I come up with bitch ideas while I'm washing my I had, hair. No, no, awesome. I had my <laughs> my cousin was getting married and then I was meeting um, his new family. And uh, mm-hmm. his future his beautiful wife Hannah. Her sister is married to this guy, and we were talking about funny ideas. And he had this genius idea to have a whiteboard in the shower for when, for when you have ideas, oh. like shower thoughts. Yeah, yeah. I like that. So, yeah. Did he create so his it? His idea was you have a whiteboard in the shower called Shower Thoughts, and you write it in the shower, and then it like gets sent to your phone. So it will be messy in the shower. You like write it down. That's a good yeah. idea. Did so he take that? This is I'm not, I'm not, it wasn't my idea. But did he do it? Did he patent it? I think it's a great idea. I wanted to do Well, I hope so. But now all these listeners are going to take that idea and go ching ching. I'm making money. Well, I'm Kitty, I, I, we have such a good vibe. I'm I kidding. think we're going to start a company, M&M. And oh, M&M, like the yeah, candy. Well, say something else. That I'm trying yeah. not to eat. So I, like, I like M&M's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Mitch. Motivates. I appreciate it. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I have a good day. Thank, thank you for you being for with us. Me. I'm so grateful. Yeah, to be of course. Hey. Thank you for listening to the Race for the Ring. Today's episode was produced by Liz Hartshorn and edited by Danielle Gordon. I so appreciate your ear and insight. And if you liked today's episode, please write us a review. They can make or break a good podcast. Just like a dull dude can be the kiss of death. Be sure to check out my new book, You Don't Need to Be a Bitch to Be a Boss. It's available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. And say hi to me on Instagram. I'm at Mindy.Barnett. See you next week. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're 
so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.